Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Joined by Kevin McPherson, known known as Hoopscoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Too many Kevins. Kevin, your thoughts of the most recent red-white exhibition game in Fayetteville? Well, you know, they're, they're, they've got a tradition now of playing it in Barnhill Arena, which, you know, I think it's a great idea because you're getting, you know, you're getting 5,000 fans, and that always sounds better in Barnhill, um, you know, because it's a tighter space, and so the acoustics are better for that size crowd. But a lot of energy for it because it's the first opportunity for fans to see these players in person. And the way the roster turns over now, and this time almost all of it, these are mostly new faces, and so they're not even used to players in Razorback uniforms. So this is their first chance. So I thought from that standpoint, the energy was great, and also talked about it. And then what I saw was really, you know, a lot of carryover guys from what I saw when they played in Europe, what I've seen in the open practices, you know, um, a big struggle shooting from three. Uh, I think turnovers, you know, I think Musman thought the turnover situation was improved relative to Europe, which is true. Each team had nine turnovers. That's kind of the target for for an Arkansas team in any game. And so even though this is two Arkansas, you know, an Arkansas team split into two teams, you're looking at each one having nine turnovers saying, well, that's kind of the goal. But at the same time, this was a 32-minute game, eight-minute quarters. And a college game is 40 minutes. So when you extrapolate the giveaways to the minutes, you're probably hitting around 21 turnovers total. Uh, and I think that's too many, uh, even when you split it up. And, uh, you know, there were times where they didn't turn over but the uh, in transition, but the ball wasn't quite on time or it wasn't in the right place. And uh, so even if a team maintained possession, the opportunity to score in transition may have been lost. So even when you didn't have turnover, sometimes the sloppiness and just guys not being on the same page sometimes disrupted. So those were kind of the negative things I got onto that first because – there was those were the two big problem areas in Europe and what we've been talking about in recent press conferences. So I don't know that that a lot of that stuff necessarily cleaned up. What I do love though, when we continue to talk about size, length, athleticism, and just some of the challenges at the rim, some of the finishes at the rim, um, in in the attack mode of certain guys, uh, is very impressive. I haven't seen a team that can get downhill so well, so fast, and then get above the rim at, under Musselman. I mean, really, I can't remember the last time an Arkansas team really put one to get on the floor before him like this one. This may be a bit unprecedented. And you look at some of the percentages of the big men, you know, and we're going to talk about some of these individual performances, but the four big men not named Trevon Brazil, the guys battling for that five spot, were combined 20-25. That's 80%. So you look at it two ways. One is they all did their job and, and, and performed at a high level, but then on the defensive side of it, what were they not doing to help lead to that 80%? Um, you know, so there were things like that that stood out to me as a team. Uh, we thought we were going to see Nick Smith and Anthony Black on the same team. They were planned to be on the red team. But Devo Davis, this is a, uh, as precautionary, was held out due to uh, some discomfort in his knee. It's not thought to be serious, but they just held him out. So Smith shifted over to the white team, so they played against each other and often guard each other. So we didn't see that chemistry, uh, you know, like we did in, at times in Europe because they played against each other. Uh, but there are a lot of things that said, but I want to talk about the individual performances uh, as well. But I think overall when I look at it, 
There's just not a whole lot to take away from it in terms of improvement in the trouble areas. I didn't see a lot of that when we're talking about three-point shooting when they were combined eight of 32 for 25%, and then I talked about the turnovers. Uh, but, I, but I still, like I said, remain very much impressed with that athleticism length and ability to get to the basket. You know, Kevin, Jalen Graham obviously had a breakout game, and that's nice, and we don't know what that'll mean uh, going forward. But I thought one of the interesting things he said after the game, there were a little less than 6,000 fans there. He was amazed at the crowd. Now, the guy played at Arizona State. Did they not draw fans for Arizona State games? I mean, he thought 6,000 was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, that answers the question. Because <laughs> if he thought it was phenomenal, <laughs> that means he's, he's not used to it. And, and here's the thing. I reported recently, a few weeks ago, that Graham, I, a source told me from one of the practices, he was dominant. No one could handle him. And that he had started to be a little bit more consistent around that in practices. And so you always wonder, when's the guy going to start buying in, pick it up? He's no. You know, when, when are they going to start to things start to click on the expectations, the terminology, what's expected in terms of effort? So if he's progressing a little bit, you wonder, well, is it an outlier? And then you, I watched him go 10 of 11. And, you know, it's funny, he was going right. He let, he prefers going right. They tried to they set a screen up for him high to maybe go left. He refused it. Didn't shake his man, didn't matter, drove him down, uh, finished off the glass. He had a nice array of spin moves and little finishing moves, and he likes to go one-handed using his right hand off that window, and he's very proficient at it. Uh, you know, he didn't have a big rebounding game. He did have a couple of blocks, but when you go 10 of 11, he had 15 first half points and really established the red. That's how the red jumped out was behind his consistency shooting the ball. Uh, that's how they got their lead and really never relinquished it. Built a 17-point lead. The white fought, team fought back late in the fourth quarter but never could get over the hump. But Graham was you know, be- the best offensive player on the floor when you look at that efficiency and the fact that you know, he took one three and made it. That's really not been his game in his time in college. He's really a 15 to 12 feet in guy, but he maximized his strengths. And so I think that helps him. You know, you're, you you can't say for sure that this helps get him in that, that it's going to put him in the top eight rotation. Uh, but, but, you know, the idea that he helped himself, you can't ignore it, especially when I go back to the fact that some of the word was coming out of recent practices that he was starting to, you know, kind of pick things up. So I think when I start talking about a top, Six guys, I still say, and I've said it for a long time, it's Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Trevon Brazil, Ricky Council, Debo Davis, and Jordan Walsh. I think those are still guys that are going to be in that top six. I think there's two more. There's room for two more in the way that Melsman really doles out rotation time, seven or eight. Usually eight guys are going to play at least. Uh, and I still think it's a combination of, you know, maybe two of the big men. So that would be Graham, the Mitchell twins, or Kamani Johnson maybe two of them or one of that group and a Barry Dunning who continues with his opportunities to be efficient, not make a ton of mistakes. And, and he's just versatile. He can be a versatile defender. So I still think there's some questions there, but I think that I think six of those names that I mentioned first are guys that I really believe going into the season are going to be in that, in that top rotation. And, you know, there's more players to talk about Nick Smith, 23 points to lead the white. His efficiency is a little misleading. He was only seven of 20 from the field. But they missed a three-pointer. They credited him with the two. He made three threes, not two. He was three of eight from three. That's right at 38%. That's in line with his with his efficiency and volume in Europe. And you'll take that all day. I mean, that's that's really good shooting from three. 
Uh, you know, he was six of eight from the free throw line, 75%, but you love the volume, and he attacks the basket, attacks, attacks, and that's how he's getting to that free throw line. Uh, but, but, you know, so he was, when you really look at his two-point shooting, he was four of 12, but he was blocked four times driving to the basket. So he was four of eight on shots that actually could get in it, you know, that got up to the rim. So you'll take that 50%, and now you just kind of zero in on the 0 for 4 where he was blocked. And those were a matter of he just continued to drive, and sometimes he didn't have quite enough space, I think, that he was used to at the previous level to get a shot off. And those are course corrections he can make. I'd rather a guy figure that out than a guy that's just spraying shots up that don't have a chance to go in, and, he, and that's where the inefficiency comes from. Smith also had three assists, only one turnover in 32 minutes. So when I look at the two producers point-wise and some of those things in Graham and Smith, I was impressed. And then Anthony Black. What he did in, in, in Mexico with Team USA U18, we, we weren't sure about some of that competition. wasn't the best, but, man, he led that team in so many statistical categories outside of scoring. And then we saw the work he did in Europe. It wasn't quite on that level, but it was still pretty balanced and across the board, you know, sort of a jack-of-all-trades. And then you look at what he did, scoring four points and only taking three shots, he still almost had a double-double. Game-high matching nine rebounds, game-high nine assists. He had... A game high, three blocks, a steal. Now he did have three turnovers in those 32 minutes, but nine assists. So you're a, you know, you're a three to one assist to turnover ratio. You're going to take that all day long for a freshman lead guard at six, seven guys. He's so big. He just does things as a lead guard that you just don't see from very many lead guards because they don't have that size, athleticism, and then his special gifts with that court awareness and putting passes on Tommy. He passes guys open or he puts the ball to them where it's in their wheelhouse to finish. There's just so many superlatives when you watch a talent like that, when you start talking about guys like him and Smith and sometimes Trevon Brazil, some of the things he's shown us. Uh, this team, I think, athletically uh, athletically lengthwise, and he started adding some of those special skills. We just haven't seen an Arkansas that's had more than one or two of those kind of pieces uh, on the same team. All right, let's try to squeeze in Mark real quick. Mark, Mark, good hang in there with us. All right, let's talk right, let's to Johnny. Squeeze in Mark, real Johnny, quick. let's try to squeeze you in real quick. If not, we'll. Well. Hello. Johnny, can you turn your radio off, please? It is off, sir. Okay. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Good afternoon. Yeah, Johnny Balducci here. How you doing? Man, doing good. great. Thank my you. My my question is, uh, I. That guy's long-winded on basketball. That was great. But my question is, um, <laughs> my question is, going back to the Heisman uh, winners, uh, y'all were talking about Jim Plunkett. Do y'all know who he beat out for the Heisman? Archie Manning. That is correct. Yep, Manning was the favorite, but he broke his arm in the middle of the season against Southern Mississippi. And he played against Arkansas as he well did. with that yeah. cast. He came in, and I think, in the second half and, no, and that beat was us. No, that was against Auburn. He was okay. Thank you, Johnny. Joined again by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoopscoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Kevin, you mentioned about um, Graham and Nick Jones uh, Jr., and I think even, uh, for that matter, uh, Anthony Black. But talk about the overall team defense now i realize the game was only 32 minutes long and you probably can give me uh the numbers that would 
translate to 40 minutes for each team. But it sounds like there was some pretty good, or looks like, I should say, looks like there was some pretty good defense that was played overall, though, by these basketball Razorbacks. Well, there were certainly stretches of that, Randy. But, again, I mentioned in the first segment, your, your four bigs outside of Trevon Brazil combined for 20 to 25. So, while you look at it from an offensive standpoint as being, you know, blister, you know, red-hot efficient, what does that say about those guys when they were defending each mm-hmm. other? You know, it's, there's some question marks there. Um, you know, when I look at it, when you take away the poor three-point shooting team, I, I don't know how much I can credit the defense. Uh, because some of those were open looks, and they're just they're just not a good three point shooting team. I don't think they will be. I was really holding out hope that that maybe some guys would pick it up on that end, and 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 then it's so early that we can't say for sure that they won't. But it's there's kind of a theme whether it's practice and no one's defending them. Europe, we see the red white game twenty five percent collectively, uh, so we just can keep paying attention to that. So that you get to credit the defense some for that, but I think it's also a poor three point shooting team. So. It's hard to gauge that. I think the biggest thing when I look at both teams, when you take away Graham's numbers, because he was 10 of 11, uh, you know, I, you know, both teams were still hovering around 50% field goal. So uh, on a team that doesn't have a lot of shooters but has so much length and athleticism getting to the rim, this is also expected to be a team that's going to block a lot of shots. It's probably going to be a team that has a chance to lead the nation in backcourt players blocking shots. I mean, Anthony Black had three. Uh, so there's certain areas where they might be elite. But I think overall, I don't think they're quite where – I know they're not where Musman wants them, but I don't think maybe they're quite where I thought they'd be even by, by the time of the red-white game because of those extra games and extra practices they got. Uh, but they've still got two more tune-up games. He's going to drill that rotation down as they, as they move through these next two exhibition games. And I think we may see better I – I expect to see better defensive performances in these next two. Uh, well, certainly against the Division Two team. Now, when they go to Texas, that's a veteran team. They're ranked 12. Arkansas is coming in preseason uh, top, t- you know, 10th. What a game for an exhibition game, guys! You know, it's on the road for the Razorbacks, but we're, you know, that's going to tell us a lot too, because that's going to probably be the biggest t- challenge this team has faced. I think it's obvious that it will be, because even though there were some older guys and some some European pro players overseas. There's just not going to be the kind of talent, athleticism, and size that they've seen yet to, to, to you know, that maybe can even match some of the things Arkansas brings to the court. Uh, they, they won't have seen that until they go to Austin, and now they're playing in front of another team's fans as well, which they, they really haven't seen that yet either because in Europe, those were mostly empty gyms other than a few friends and family. There might have been more people with the Arkansas contingent than some of those teams that came uh, over overseas. And speaking of number 10, Arkansas, is that kind of what you expected? Is that too high? Um, maybe, again, should they have been right? maybe a little bit lower? I think it's about right. I think the talent in the, the recruiting, you're, you're arguably the number one class overall with those 11 players. But I think because you've got new 11 newcomers, it prevents you maybe from having those that name player coming back that kind of carries, maybe carries you up closer to that top five. So I think, I think ten's about right. Uh, some fans may disagree with that. I think it should be higher. We know Mussman does his best work mid mid January on, and so that's what's really going to matter anyway. This is the toughest schedule he's ever had at Arkansas. 
And I, I say that both for non-conference and conference play. I think if you separate them out, they're both the toughest slates, respectively. And so when you put them together, it makes it even tougher with 11 newcomers. That's why I think he chose to play a road game at Texas in the exhibition season. He's, that one's not going to count. It, it may count in some voter, voter minds early, uh, but win or lose, they're going to be able to learn from that. And I think it helps them because of the dynamics that I just talked about. Uh, but I think right now 10 is fine. I think that's about right. Let's check in with Mr. E. Mr. E, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Good, good, good evening, gentlemen. How y'all doing today? Good evening to you, Great. Mr. E. Good, sir. Hey, Thank you. Uh, tell me about Darren Ford uh, and Penny, that young man from Marvin, Darren Ford from Magnolia. How they? Yeah. Doing? Thank you for asking. You know, Pinion had a good offensive game. He was 5 of 8 from the field, knocked down a couple of threes. I think he was 2 for 3. Uh, had a, Got a nice pass from Graham on a finish. Had a dunk. Uh, you know, defensively is, the, I think, the area where he's going to have to continue to improve to, to have a shot at, at rotation. And, uh, and, again, I don't expect that during his freshman season. To that, that You don't ever rule stuff like that out either because we've seen things change for players under Musselman, even though it's a tight rotation. He's he's inserted guys and moved guy and moved guys out of it, uh, so we we always keep an eye on it and don't rule anything out. But I do think Pinion's time won't for top rotation won't be this season. But he had a good red white game. You know, Darian Ford didn't necessarily shoot the ball well. He plays extremely hard. He's strong and physical. I saw the effort on defense. He made a early in the game. He had a nice baseline move uh, where he made a really nice pass uh, uh, to Kamani Johnson for a finish, and so. You know, you see some things in, in both of those young players that suggest that, you know, down the line they're going to be able to help uh, at this level. Uh, you know, it's probably not, not going to be this season. You know, overstate things and, and set expectation bar too high uh, or too low. Because, again, we don't know when Musselman, uh, you know, this is such a poor shooting team. I think if, 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 if Pinion was – Maybe a little further along defensively, we may see, we, we might see more of him, but I don't think he's quite there yet to demand those minutes, regardless of the fact that he can actually go out there. I mean, he, you know, if given the opportunity to shoot, he may end up being Arkansas's most not only productive in terms of volume, but efficiency. Uh, but to have that kind of role, most when everything starts on that defensive end, it goes there first, and the other things fall into place. And I just don't think he's at the at the place right now where he's going to be counted on in the rotation. Well, well thank you. Yeah, have a good yes, night, thank you, Mr. E. All right, uh, before we run out of time, if you would, Kev, talk about your conversation with one Ron Holland. Man, he, he told me the second visit, because we knew he took his official in June, early June. He said it was better the second go-around. He said he really felt the Arkansas love. Uh, you know, he was excited. I could tell his mom was excited. Uh, you know, I touched base with him, and when they made it back home the, the later Sunday, and uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things now where they're they're really trying to get into the, the decision making process because they've taken this second round of unofficial visits to all the four to three of the four schools that are on his finals list, the exception being Kentucky. I really think it comes down to Arkansas and, and Texas guys, and I think. You know, I think the G League's on one of the back burners. I think UCLA, if there's a dark horse out of three, that I think it's down to three colleges, they're probably the dark horse. So I think it's Arkansas and Texas. 
Uh, you know, um, right now, if I had to give a, a slight edge to anybody, because I'm getting it from several different sources, it's one or the other. Right now, if I'm giving anyone a slight edge, it's Arkansas, but I think it is. I think Texas is right there. So, uh, Ron Holland really enjoyed the visit. Uh, Terry on Burgess, top 20 kid, six nine wings. Now out at Benton, class of 2025, uh, took took his unofficial visit, was up for the game, and of course he was impressed as well. All right, Kevin, we will talk with you next week. That is Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hawkville.net.